This is Anthems. My name is Sarah Grant. I'm a writer, director and performer working in film and television and a poet. Your word of the day is framing. The year I started studying film was also the first year I was the support person for someone having an abortion. I was 18 and I moved away from home for university and I swan-dived into my newfound freedom. I declared myself an adult and thought I knew everything. I was going to study film, make a zero-budget feature film when I was 20 that would take the Cannes Film Festival by storm, propelling me into the open arms of Hollywood. I would have made my first studio feature and won my first Oscar by the time I was 25. At the latest. The fact that I was working class, plus size, a woman, and from the rough part of Glasgow did not come into my consideration for a second. When dreaming about my future, I didn't think I had any obstacles to overcome. I was naive and sheltered. Which was a shame, because I was always told, write what you know. But at the time, I didn't know much. My view of the world was very limited, and I had no real perspective on any of it. I think the day I realised that I still had a lot to learn about the world, and myself, was the day I actually started to move towards adulthood. I consider myself to be very lucky back then. I have known what I wanted to do with my life since I was in my early teens. The first time I saw Moulin Rouge by Baz Luhrmann, and there were contemporary songs and dances and colours and love and theatre and drama, my wee head nearly exploded. It was the first time that I realised that behind all of those unconventional elements was a person making those decisions. Someone deciding how this story was going to be told. Deciding how it would be presented to the world. I wanted that to be me. I wanted to have that control to tell my stories. My parents didn't get it. They knew I was the arty-farty one in the family, but being working class, film and TV production was a world that they had absolutely no insight into. They weren't that supportive of my career choices to begin with. Don't get me wrong, we had a great relationship. We talked about important things, but not the embarrassing ones. My parents had an ensuite next to their bedroom. I mean, I thought that I was really posh until I went to uni. Then I realised I was just one of the more well-off people in the scheme. So me and my sister shared the communal bathroom. When I was 15, my mum told me that I should take care in putting my period products back in the drawer they lived in and not to leave packets of tampons or sanitary towels on top of the cistern or on the side of the bath, as my dad could see them when he walked past the bathroom and it embarrassed him. 15 was a standout year for me. It was also the year that I asked my mum, what would happen if I got pregnant, you know, by accident? What I meant was, should I tell you if I do? I don't remember her giving me a real answer. We never talked about the embarrassing things. Like I said, I was naive and sheltered. The first abortion I attended was awful. It was in a hospital and myself and my friend had no idea what to expect. No idea what medication would be administered and how, no idea how long we would be there or that we wouldn't be given any food or water. 
No idea that the nurse on shift the first half of the day would treat my friend like a stupid wee girl and not a woman going through something scary with no support. I didn't know that this happened to one in three women at some point in their lives. And while that day was over a decade ago, and I know better now, I still don't know how to tell that story. Maybe because it wasn't really a story, more the confirming of all the half-truths, gossip and whispers I'd heard. Anytime the subject of abortion ever crossed my path as a young adult, which was never in film and television by the way, it was only ever presented as this dreadful and tragic fate to be avoided at all cost. The conversation was never framed in a positive or even informative way. After it happened, I called my mum, who came to pick me up that night from uni halls, and I cried all the way home. I asked her, if that ever happens to me, should I tell you? She said, I'm the first person you tell. I'm in my 30s now, and still the arty-farty one in my family, but I really am an adult now, and I do know better. I make work that does talk about these things, the embarrassing things, things my dad cringes at whenever I release something new, and I do all of it with comedy. I developed a very good sense of humour very early. I'm working class and from Glasgow, so I come from a long line of funny. If you don't laugh, you'll greet is a favourite saying of my granny's. And I have found that when times are darkest, we, by which I mean the Scottish people, are at our funniest. Comedy is how I say everything I want to say without standing on a soapbox and yelling at you. With comedy, I reach out across the aisle, take your hand and ask you to laugh with me. It's how I make connections. Also, I find the more I can make my audience laugh, the more I can hit them with an emotional gut punch when they are least expecting it. In 2019, I made a zero-budget comedy short called Scare, a three-minute monologue about the million miles an hour mental gymnastics the brain goes through when having to wait for a pregnancy test to develop. The film was a direct response to the legislative changes happening at the time in Alabama and in Northern Ireland. It was made as part of the 48-hour film challenge, so the film was written, filmed, edited and scored all in a two-day period. Also, except for the colour grade and the music composition, I made it entirely by myself. I wrote, shot and starred in it, not out of any desires to be on camera or to test my solo capabilities, but because I was sure that putting this story out into the world would receive a mountain of backlash. I didn't want my regular team of people to bear the brunt of my creative decision making. The film has screened at festivals both in person and online all over the world and I have yet to receive one single piece of backlash for its contents. Maybe it's because it hasn't made it to the rounds of the forced birth Facebook groups yet, or maybe because reaching out with comedy was the best way to communicate both my fears and my resilience. I didn't want the washed out, tear-stained image of a desperate woman crying on the bathroom floor because we have seen that so many times before. I wanted laughter and rage and confusion and everything else that happens in those three tense minutes. I wanted the full spectrum, including the joy. I have watched a lot of abortion stories on film and television, and while every one of these narratives are brave and individualistic, they live in the sphere of drama and tragedy. Always painted as a disastrous turn of events, the sole obstacle that needs to be overcome and the emotional trauma that needs to be healed afterwards. 
The second abortion I supported someone through was in my 30s. It was at home and we sat together and talked to distract her from her pain. We held hands and laughed about other things. At one point, two other friends showed up with a care package of a new hot water bottle, period underwear, painkillers, hot chocolate and snacks. All four of us sat together in the bathroom, my friend bearing out the worst of the storm on the toilet, blankets around her shoulders, bent over a hot water bottle, as the four of us talked and laughed as much as we would as if we were on a night out. It feels weird to say, but it was a really good day. Where are those stories on our screens? Where is the movie that approaches abortion without any culture of shame, that treats the whole thing as nothing but a nasty but necessary medical procedure, one that can be thought of with relief and, to an extent, joy and not guilt and torment? Maybe the reason abortion is only ever framed this way in film and television is because filmmakers, while brave enough to take on the topic in the first place, are scared of the awful backlash that will come to them. Because we have been told to expect it. In all my research, the narratives that deviate the furthest from this dour drama tone aren't comedies, merely stories that present abortion as no big deal. This narrative is valid, the trauma narrative is valid, the joy and relief narrative is valid. But if we are only seeing one version of this narrative in our mainstream media, is it any wonder we still find it hard to normalise, communicate and share other valid stories? I'm in no way saying that abortion is an easy choice or a walk in the park, of course it's not. But if one in three menstruators will experience it at some point in their lives, surely the spectrum of emotions and journeys and scenarios are so much wider than we are led to believe by the silver screen. Maybe if I had seen a movie about abortion that reached out with comedy, that showed the joy and relief and sisterhood and the support that could come alongside the decision and the procedure, I wouldn't have felt so unprepared when I was 18. I wouldn't have felt so damn scared. These are our stories and we deserve to have control over how they are presented to the world. They are our decisions and no aspect of them should incur shame. The film industry is changing slowly and more and more unheard stories will eventually make their way to Hollywood. I have long since given myself a very much needed reality check, so I don't have any great expectation that my story will be one of them. But for now, don't look to cinema for sisterhood and support. Not yet. Don't look there for information or encouragement. Look to the women who have, at one time in your life, sat on the bathroom floor with you, who will tell you stories, not spin narratives, who will make you laugh the hardest when the times are the darkest. Do this and leave your period products on the cistern and the side of the bath. Do not be embarrassed or ashamed. Do this loudly. Talk too much. Write about what you know. Eventually, we will change the narrative together. Framing. Noun. The act, process or manner of constructing anything.